Doing yeah. well. Awesome. Yeah, sitting here looking at somewhat of a flat ocean, but it's bigger than yesterday. So, <laughs> so yesterday was negative. Yesterday was pretty small. I ended up just going for a about a three mile paddle around our harbor. Oh yeah, what were you paddling on? I was paddling on a fourteen foot downwinder, fourteen by twenty twenty eight, no twenty seven. Yeah. And uh, one of my designs is like seven and a half, eight inches thick. It's just it does not like water. It just goes so high up on top of the water. So it's a blast to paddle. Really? So is that specifically like a downwind shape? It's a downwind shape, yeah. But I've got uh, a bottom design that's got a pretty narrow concave with some crazy chines on the outside, on the rails that really make the thing ride on the center concave. That uh, And the side chines just kind of keep the water blowing off the board. So... It's a lot of fun. Very cool. Hey, well, hey, I just want to say thanks for uh, joining us. I'm here with uh, Kevin Wormsley and Jeff Henderson, are two guys who work at Wind and Waves with me. And um, as you know, so uh, this little podcast project is something that's pretty new to us. So I really appreciate you taking the time this morning to to get online with us and and talk a little bit about um, everything that's going on in Jeff Clark's world. Wow. Yeah. It's getting kind of busy. It's heating up. You know, summer's here, and the stand-up paddleboard shop is uh, starting to see a lot more, a lot more people showing up and uh, signing up for the yoga classes that we do and lessons and rentals. Um, just this last week, we did two different groups of 20 to 30 people. Um, you know, the the companies from the Silicon Valley Bay Area here are are using us as uh, small retreats for their, uh, you know, their offices and their their divisions in in companies. So we're having a blast with that, taking people out in the ocean and showing them the bat rays and the sand sharks or the leopard sharks yeah. and and uh, yeah, very cool. Um, well, hey, let's. I want to talk to you a little bit initially about. Uh, about what you're shaping these days, right? Because I, I, I know you, you sent me some gorgeous photos of some new boards that were just coming out of production with some really interesting like pigments and colors and, 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 and different shapes as well. So you've got your stand-up paddle shapes and then you've got your big wave gun, you know, prone surfing shape. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of... Um, kind of what you're shaping these days and what, what stuff just came off the production line? Um, yeah, this last, uh, the 14th and 15th, we did the boardroom show down in Del Mar, San Diego. And, right. <clears throat> uh, the boardroom shaping show down in, we did a boardroom shaping show down in Del Mar, California, yeah, San Diego. We, we saw that on Facebook. Yeah. How was that? And, it it was great. I I brought down some new big wave guns that I just shaped, and the show was revol revolved a little bit around George Greeno and his edge rail boards. Okay. Um, but that's something I've been doing for quite a while out here at Mavericks, and as well as in the stand up paddling, reducing the wetted surface area to a narrow concave through the center of the board so that when I'm say I'm out downwinding on a on a 14 foot board that board once you catch a swell it's up and riding on on like a 20 inch wide center which is really kind of cool it makes the board faster and uh, so I've adapted that kind of uh, bottom into Mavericks big wave guns okay. so I'm I'm, they paddle really fast. They blow the water off the rails because you get the lift out of the center of the concave of the board up onto a plane. And then um, as it goes through into the tail, you've got a, 
put the control center together where you're standing and how you want that board to roll into a turn from standing on the back portion of it and not not giving up any speed, but just being able to harness that speed and, and have complete control. So the rails have to, you know, be lifted a little bit and uh, narrow. And, um, and then, I've, yeah, so that's... That's just the big wave guns. And then the big wave stand-up paddleboard stuff, uh, I've been running the uh, that same chine rail stuff, center concave, single to double, with the controller, the future controller fins, yeah, which are basically designed as a fish fin, but the front keel style fins of the controller set have an inside foil a vector foil so that they are actually a high speed fin and i've been riding them i got a handful of 40 foot waves this year at mavericks and the fins just gave me such good quickness rail control edge control drive and uh and breakaway speed so, uh, yeah, dabbling in all aspects of, uh, of wave riding, of swell riding, uh, downwinding, and and flat water stuff. In so, the show also, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So, you know, so that's interesting. So, Jeff, when you go to design uh, a big wave gun in, in the traditional guns that you've been making for Mavericks, when you design a board like that, and then you go and approach building a stand-up, paddle surfboard for Mavericks and you're talking about edge rail design and single concave versus single concave to double concave. How many similarities are there between, between your surf shapes and your standup paddle surf shapes and, and kind of, and where are things different when you approach the shaping for, of a, of a surf shape versus a standup paddle surf shape? You want the gold, don't you? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something smart to ask you. And I feel like, you know, for a guy who's shaping both boards, and obviously we're not asking you to give away like anything that's proprietary to what you're doing. <laughs> no, this is that's the last thing, That's the last thing we want to ask you. But, but I know that people, you know, when they, when they listen to this, they're going to be very interested to hear your perspective because you're, you're obviously a unique ind- individual beyond, you know, the meaning of even the word unique. I mean, it goes beyond whatever we could we could say about you but you know one of the things that's really unique is that not only are you a pioneer and a founder of one of the greatest big wave surf spots in the world but you're shaping you're shaping boards for that break and you're shaping boards both for surfers and stand-up paddle surfers and it'd be interesting just to hear from a shaper's perspective kind of how you approach both shapes and where the similarities are and kind of where the key differences are. Yes. Well, I got to go right back to the foundation of, of growing up here and, and riding every board that I could get my hands on to a point where I could not get the boards to ride the bigger waves. And I, and I started shaping very early on in high school and you know of course my early boards were horrible i wasted a lot of foam but that's (laughs) part of the that's a part of the apprenticeship program to get to where you want to be you got to put the time in and you gotta you gotta fail fail quickly move on and and riding everything i shape i think is key to where i am now because I wouldn't send anybody out there to ride a 40-foot wave at Mavericks if I didn't trust that I would do it myself. Yeah, that's great. And that, I think, is, is one of the big differences in, in what I bring to the table. I, if, if I'm going to give you a board to go out and surf wet Mavericks, I'm gonna, I would paddle into the same wave on that board and know that I've got the right tool under my feet that's going to get me to the channel, make that drop, get that turn off and make that section or deal with that, that, um, unexpected bump, chop, boat wake, be able to handle it and get me through it. I mean, that's the, 
that's where I've taken my surf designs to the max, riding really big waves from single fins to twin fins to tri fins to quads. Uh, bringing bringing the quads out at Mavericks when everybody was still riding single fins and tri fins, and they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and and then uh, a guy from Santa Cruz, Anthony Tashnik, he broke his board, and I would just finish surf, and I'm sitting on the ski, and he paddles over. He goes, Jeff, uh, this is my only board. I just broke it. Um, are you done? I go, I go, here, go ride this. And he go, he flips it over, and he goes, four fins? <laughs> I go, just just go, man. You're going to have a blast. And he paddled out into the lineup and talked to Grant in the, in the lineup, and he goes, Grant, this thing's got four fins. And Grant goes, yeah, I'm on one, too. Nice. Yeah, that's just right. Just go. Just go. And he proceeded to just own it that day. And within two weeks, all of Stretch Team Riders had quads. So wow. that transition from one guy trying it to now it's the standard in big waves from Jaws to wherever, wherever you're going. It's, it's, uh, it seems to be the standard. Waimea, Jaws, Mavericks, and any other giant wave you're going to paddle into, you got to have those, those fins on the rail that you're putting all your trust in when you lean into that turn. Right. Well, and it, and it demonstrates a lot of confidence when they see you out there testing the same shapes, same fin configurations that essentially you're selling and, and designing into the boards that you're building. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then, and then you, then you take the, then you start moving into stand up paddle boarding and what, you know, you've got a lot more surface area going 30 to 40 miles an hour. Right. I had my 10.6 going pretty close to 40 miles an hour this year and in complete control. And what's the and width? On, for, what's the width on that board? Uh, 28 and a quarter, which is a pretty wide board for a, a 10.6. But, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have anything else. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you're dealing with, because Mavericks is offshore, obviously, and so you're dealing with bump, wind, breeze, all kinds of conditions, right? So getting on something that's a little wider, a little more stable, would you say, it has a huge absolutely. advantage over trying to get into something that's going to be narrower or faster? Well, I don't think narrower is, narrower is more controlled. Not necessarily faster. I think with the chine rails and the concaves and the way I've put them into the big wave, the 9.6 and the 10.6 model that I do, um, I don't think you can go faster. I mean, they are, they are such fast boards that I, I literally feel like I'm on a tow board sometimes. I'm hitting those wow. kind of speeds. And if your board doesn't, you're on the wrong board. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us, talk to us about um, different boards that you take out on, let's say, a 40-foot day, like you described earlier, and then a small day where you're out there just having fun. Yeah, so um, we've talked a little bit about the, the big boards, the 10-6. The 10-6 will pretty much handle everything above... 30 feet to as big as you can catch. Yeah. I, I believe. And I don't, I, I'm not a fan of, of big heavy boards. I don't think that by putting weight as a fix to a problem is the proper way to look at it. I want to go, if, if we haven't got to the point where we can't design something that's lightweight and still in control, then we're, we're wasting our time, I think. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of, of big wave guns that weigh over 20, 
25 pounds. Uh, even in my 10.6, I think my 10.6 is is about 22 or 23 pounds. Uh, yeah. Stand-up paddleboard. I mean, it's a big board with a big stringer in it, and, but I want lightweight and and quickness. One of the th- other things that I've done with the big wave guns, both paddle and stand-up, is I have put together a blank with different weight foams. Yeah. So okay. the, the front half of the board is one pound foam and the back half is two and a half pound foam. So not only do I have the weight in the tail where I'm going to be standing, anytime you use weight as your control point, it'll move everything around it much quicker. Right. So nose weighs half the weight of the tail that means it's going to surf like it's not there. So a 10.6 will ride like an 8.6. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and I've not seen anybody do this. I mean, there's different layers of, of Divinacel and different kind of foams, but nose to tail, it's, it's an amazing maneuverability achievement to have a board... Uh, that's ten six. That is really quick, and once you start making it, not you know the with this with the regular paddling guns, I've had. It's been a couple years now that I've built these multi foam blanks with three quarter inch bass stringers, for some of the world's touring pros that come to surf Mavericks and they go out and they just go, wow, this board is scary loose. I go, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be quicker than anything you've ridden, but it's still the same shape that you have been riding. So what you have to do is we, we try so hard to turn these big boards. That's been the biggest problem for big wave guns is trying to turn a big board. And all of a sudden I'm building boards that turn like an eight foot board. Wow. They're really quick, so you have to. So it's like you almost have to relax and know that the board is gonna. You don't have to work so hard to achieve the goal you're trying to achieve. So are you are you making these blanks yourself? Are you ordering them in the in these like dual density weights? Yes, I am. I'm or I'm making them, ordering them, and uh, so it's uh, it's one of those things that. If you want to try it out, get a hold of me, and <laughs> we'll put something under your feet that will really surprise you. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. You know, I don't think I'll be able to join you on the 40 foot days, but maybe I can sit in the channel and watch. Um, but yeah, any other day, I would love to get out there and 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 surf with you. That'd be outstanding. It'd be pretty impressive. So that's the big wave boards, and now if shifting back to the 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 short, I ride a, like an 8.3 stand-up paddleboard, single to double. I've got the nose fully chined and a concave in the nose for catching waves. So it, it flies into waves. I've got, you know, seven and a half inches of the rocker and a little over three and a half in the tail. And I actually saw a board that really intrigued me on the internet. It was... Uh, I think it was a Tomo yeah. uh, that Stuart Kennedy, Ken, that Stuart Kennedy was riding, and I read up on the bottom shape and that 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 he was riding, and you know I I I surf really hollow waves around here in Northern California, and anytime you straight straighten out the rockers, you're asking for trouble. So yeah. I kept the rockers that I'm really comfortable with. But I changed the the outline to that wing with kind of like a a star tail or a, a double bat tail or I don't know what you what you call it. Right. Um, I'm calling it the claw because <laughs> what I what I've found is that as I'm coming off the bottom and up through the lip and I'm riding this as a quad with a with a, I'm riding it as a quad. As I come through the lift, 
these different scallops, I can feel just like they're fingertips dragging through the face of the wave, and I know exactly where I am as as the tail either breaks free in the lip or or the transition to come back and drop it back in on the wave after a top turn. Um, very quick, little, little, and it's kind of straight. There's a wing that's about 14 inches up or maybe a little more, and it's straight back to these scallops out of the tail. I've found that the drive is really good versus your basic square tail or your round tail. Right. Uh, that little straighter rail and the wing, it, it gives you good drive, but then when you want to break it up and 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 go for a hack, the board snaps around really quick. Right, and it's got that grab on it, right? So like those 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 wing tips essentially create, like you said, like they're fingertips, right? Like gripping into the yeah. face of the wave, creating bite. Gripping into the face, but it gives you sensitivity and feel as that tail slides across versus this big square tail where you only have one point out there and then your rail. Right. Right. So I've got all these different, it's like having more sensors out of the back of the board that uh, gives you just a little more control. So what length are you shaping that style or that shape board in? You mentioned that it's you have an 8.4, right? And then, um, so on smaller days, uh, what else are you on? Um, I'm so, you know, I've never been a fan of the really wide boards. So my widest board is like 29 inches wide. So even at, at uh, you know, my eight foot weighs, my eight foot board weighs like 15 pounds and it's 29 wide by eight foot by four and three eighths or something like that. Yeah. I've just not been a fan of these 30 inch wide boards and right especially for surf um, shapes i agree yeah for surfing i, w I want to surf like my you know my my go-to board is a is a six eight by by 20 uh basic thruster you know round not a round tail but a uh your basic square tail thruster squash tail thruster that single to double concave that has all kinds of quickness and speeds off rails. You can fly around on that thing, but uh, I want that same feeling out of my stand-up paddleboards. And then, Jeff, how are you glassing these? Is this and and then is the glassing process similar to your surf shapes, or are you doing anything differently with the stand-up paddleboard shapes? Well, stand-up paddleboard shapes are all EPS, right? Yeah, and I was getting boards built down in San Diego, and I saw that the, them. Okay, I, I was building boards down in San Diego. They were spackling the boards with drywall spackle to seal them. Really? And to me, that just like I, you know, I was getting delaminations, and the boards had this foreign product on an epoxy board. So. I moved my glassing up into Ventura. I'm I'm in Ray Ray Lukey's back nine surf factory, where I can actually get in there and experiment with what I want to build the boards with. So I'm building my boards with when we base the blank, we mix up milled fibers into the epoxy, and even then you can add color to them. I, I mean I've been experimenting; it's been fun. Yeah, we see some adding, of that. Adding milled fibers into the the seal coat gives you a foundation that now you can glass to. And it's all the same products. It's epoxy, 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 all the way to the finish coat. Right. And it makes the boot stronger. So right. we're glass we're we're sealing the blank with epoxy. Uh bottom six ounce or four ounce, the decks are Six and four, or six six, depending on how light the foam is. Um, we're finding that if we go all four ounce, we can get a board down to like twelve pounds. 
that the heaviest part of the board at that point is the stringer, which I I always put decent wood in my boards because you I've only broken one board. Actually, I broke I buckled one and I broke one in the last month. Uh, we had this really slabby sandbar, and uh, sure enough, I went over late on my eight three and tried to set the rail, but it was just jacking too hard, and it would put me on my heels, and the lip went right through my board, literally chopped it in half in one swoop, just boom, and it was wow. in two pieces. Wow. But uh, that was a three-eighths inch stringer, and the wave wow. was only six feet. Six feet? It was only six foot wave. Wow. But the wind was in just the right place, and um, it was a really powerful sandbar that we were surfing. But, well, uh, so, Jeff, I understand. I, I think you've told me this, but I understand that. Are you, are you? I know you're doing a lot of stand up paddle surfing, but are you exclusively stand up paddle surfing now, or are you still surfing? I'm still surfing, but the surf's got to be really good. And we get some sandbars now and then that break just like a reef break. Where you take off in the same place. I'm not a big – if I've got to chase down waves like Ocean Beach, San Francisco, yeah. where the wave field is a mile, a mile long and currents and stuff like that, I'm going to go stand up model it because I can get – you know, five five waves on a sub versus one on a laydown board. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But I like to be efficient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you're a busy guy. You know, you only have so much time. So if you're going to be in the water, you might as well maximize your wave count. Uh, it's just too fun. I found that uh, stand-up paddling is a lot like toe surfing. You see a wave, you just go get it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it certainly increases even, your wave count. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, and I surf, I surf Santa Cruz once in a while on a stand up, and and I surf some other, you know, fairly crowded breaks. Yeah, but I'll paddle out, and I just won't won't sit outside everybody. I, generally, right. I know a few of the people, and. And I'll sit down and, and hang out with them in the pack, talking to everybody, and, and it ends up becoming where I'm just one of the guys out in the water surfing. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, especially in, uh, in California, Northern California. And um, give us your sense of sort of the level of acceptance, if you will, of stand-up paddle boards, entering the lineup, um, when you talk about because I, I was just guilty of it when I talked about wave count and things like that. I mean, one of the things the sport kind of battles is this perception of, you know, stand up paddle surfers coming out and getting too many waves or sitting outside, as you mentioned, sitting outside everyone. And what, what's your general take on sort of the, the vibe? Do you see it? Um, is it changing at all? Is the perception getting worse? Is it getting better in terms of stand up paddle surfers being accepted into these traditional lineups? It, at Santa Cruz and Ocean Beach and places like that? I don't know that the, the, the crawlers are ever going to accept the guys that stand up because <laughs> um, they're, they're inevitably going to be jealous of how many waves you get, whether they could get them or not. Yeah. And ha that's the battle most of the time. It's not that, that you're on a stand-up. It's just you're – you're getting all the waves to the scrap. Like I, I'll go out and I'll, and I'll paddle for something that the whole pack is just sitting there, and I catch it inside of everybody, and it's a really good wave. Right. And a kick out, you know. But the biggest thing about stand-up paddling and why people really don't like them is because you get the guys that get a 10-6, big old round nose hog, and they can barely stand on it, and they go out, and they'll start paddling from Hawaii to catch the wave, <laughs> right? They're so far outside, and then they then they get then they come through the lineup, and then they just do that time and time again. 
right. where they didn't grow up in the surf culture. They don't realize that it's, you know, it's not cool. Is anyone going and, in? Is anyone going and approaching those people and saying, "Hey, listen, come over here for a second. I want to have a little sit down with you," and just saying, "There's, there's an order to this. There's a respect to this. There's, um, just, just being polite and not taking more than yeah. everybody else." And you know, you know what I mean. I mean, there has to be a little bit of education there. And as other as stand up paddle surfers ourselves. You know, I know I've had to do that with people and I feel like, hey, I, I have to tell this person because they just don't know. They just don't know. And yeah. they are they are worsening the perception. and They're just making it worse for all of us, right? Because of the way they're behaving, the way they're acting. And, and, and until they understand that that's not the way to behave out there, they're probably just going to continue to do it. Yeah, I, I've had to found people that... Um, they see me surfing a peak in the north end of the beach, and I'm out there with a with a pack of, of guys that I know and, and that I've surfed for years with, and 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 I'll kick out of the wave, and I see this guy try. I can tell that he's not a, an accomplished paddler, that he's going to try and come over, and I paddle up, and I go, I go, I'm sorry, man, but you know, this is a pretty competitive group over here and i don't think you're at the level to play in that game so i mean i don't i don't want to offend you but you're not going to be well received over here because you're you're kind of dangerous i think that's great so, so what do they say to you when you when you sort of lay it out that way um they uh they they pretty much have to listen and have to go the other way <laughs> there's no choice in the matter Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it can be, you know, some some people get, a, a, you know, they take offense to it, and then they get into the pack, and they, you know, okay. then they get sounded by everybody, and then they do have, then they go, they kind of come to their senses and realize that, you know, they're not at a level to deal with, with what they're trying, you know. Their perception of their ability far exceeds their ability. <laughs> right. We all we all think we're better servers than we really are, or at least some of us, I guess, do. But I, I gotta say, I, think, I gotta I gotta say thank you for that because I, I think you're doing a service to the sport by pulling people like that aside, and and I don't think it's the kind of thing where we're insulting them or we're just we're edu it's an educational thing. We're just bringing them up to speed on the culture of the lineup, how it works. And stand-up paddle surfing, in my opinion, is a little easier. The learning curve is easier. People can get out there. They can get out to the lineup. They can start to paddle into waves before they actually learn to surf. And then, and that becomes a big hazard. In, in, in surfing, before stand-up paddle surfing really became popular, with surfing, you know, there was a little bit of a rite of passage. I mean, even getting out to the lineup could be challenging. So if you got out there, that was one thing. And then even when you got out there, you weren't really a threat to anyone because you got to learn how to catch a wave. And, and that takes a little while because right. paddling in on your own is challenging enough with surfing. So there's a long progressive learning curve to surfing. Whereas with stand up paddle surfing, you know, a lot of people can go out there as beginners and they can easily get into the mix before you know it, they become a yeah. threat. And, 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 and for all of us, they just, you know, unfortunately they, uh, they create they create a challenging environment for the rest of us who are trying to go out there, you know, and paddle surf without getting scrutinized by the rest of the surfing community. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to educate the people we're teaching how to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so thank you for doing that. Hey, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk to you about um, Titans of Mavericks. And um, obviously... Uh, that encapsulates a couple of different things, but we've got obviously the big wave contest that that you have basically started and continue to manage. Um, and then we've got a, a, a movie that's coming out. Looks like uh, next week on Memorial Day through Fox Sports. So um, if you don't mind, Jeff, just take is it, a, is it a movie or just a TV show? I don't know. I was hoping you could fill us in on that. 
I thought it was just a TV show. I haven't been too involved in that. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they did. <laughs> okay. So how? What, what do you know about it at all? Anything? Um, I actually don't know anything about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, Griffin Guest has uh, uh, taken it upon himself to do, be the uh, producer, director, end all be all of that segment. So we're going to just sit back and see what he does. Well, we saw it on your website, so that's why we were curious to hear from you about kind of a little bit more about maybe what it's all about. But um, let, let's let's talk more about let's let's talk about the event itself, right? I want to talk about uh, Titans of Mavericks. The big wave event starts waiting period starts on November first, and um, uh-huh. tell us a little bit about the committee of the four other guys that you've kind of put together to help create the invite list for that event. Okay, so, wow, you know, we're, we're uh, I, think, I think we need to maybe uh, leave this alone for another month. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. There, there's some uh, things going on that uh, would, maybe change my answers <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> okay. Sorry um, about um, that. that's fair hey that's good i appreciate you saying that i appreciate you saying that um mm-hmm. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna divert away from that event entirely then let's talk about um let's talk about about uh how much how much surfing do you guys do as a family do you guys get out there with your wife cassandra and kids or how often do you guys get um, served together? Yeah, I've got three kids, and, uh, you know, one's just doing, actually two of them just, one of them graduated, one of them just finishing up finals tomorrow, I think. Uh, Kyla, my youngest, is 21. Uh, my son, Kevin, I've been trying to get him into paddle, stand-up paddle surfing, but he's pretty much been really into just surfing, and... Uh, he surfed Mavericks a couple years ago, and then he just got really hunkered down and going to physical therapy school. And uh, and he's a personal trainer, so he's fitter than fit. <laughs> and I he worked on chasing Mavericks as well. Um, he was one of the boat drivers when the big wave hits the boat. Yes. He was in the gray, gray zodiac flying through the air, and. You know, after after that we shot that scene, he goes, Dad, I got big air in the Zodiac, and when I landed, it was a complete yard sale in the boat. I went flying to the front of the boat, and I look up, and the wave is top to bottom out in front of me, and I'm in the front of the boat. And I had to jump back in the Zodiac, grab the tiller, and head for the shoulder, and I made it. And I was, uh, and I, I didn't really, wasn't really watching that part of it, because my boat was the camera boat that captured the, from outside looking in, the big blue boat getting hit by that wave. Right. And uh, so I got Kevin involved in that, and then just recently we did a, he's been working on a, a movie, Halt and Catch Fire, that I referred him to the stuntman, Rocky Capella, the stunt coordinator, and I go, Rocky, use Kevin. He's really good in the water, and and he did. And, and then just last month, we did a, a paddling scene under the go, under the Golden Gate for him. And so I think Kevin, Kevin's going to be joining the SAG Union here pretty soon, and I'm in, and uh, we'll hopefully do some more stunt work. But I also have an older daughter, Katrina, who is really good and helps me with my surfboard logo designs and things like that. She's married and has got uh, two boys, four and six. So I got a couple little groms I'm going to teach to paddle and surf. And um, so life's pretty good out here in Northern California. Yeah, it is. And you guys have carved out a really nice little spot for yourselves right in the marina there, right in Half Moon Bay. It's really fun to be able to yeah, visit, 
that was fun visiting you guys out there last summer and, and seeing the new shops and seeing the growth of your stand up paddleboard, um, uh, uh, the stand up paddleboard rentals that you're doing out of the marina. Seems like you guys are are going gangbusters over there. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, you you've inspired me a little bit about paddling, uh, maybe doing a race. So I was in Santa Cruz <laughs> just recently, and I stopped in uh, to the the surf tech shop down there, and they they host the uh, J the J race, and uh, so I've been uh, been paddling quite a bit lately and doing the bike and kind of cross training, getting the wind going and, uh, getting ready to, uh, maybe go down and do the Jay Moriarty race in Santa Cruz on, uh, I think that's June, June 18th. Nice. So that'll be really fun. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, more time you just get out there paddling. I mean, that's the best preparation for that stuff. You, you can, uh, you can do. And obviously, you know, you're your local knowledge of currents, tides, all the, all that stuff will be a huge advantage when it comes to finding those little tiny bumps. They're just going to help, you know, make make the difference between between different placements. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I've got five guys recruited that are going to all be riding my boards, paddling my boards in this race. Um, I've been having a blast just trying to really innovate. Uh, speed in these boards uh, from the time I've spent up at the Pier 80 when the America's Cup was here and, and going over their holes and uh, to uh, to implementing those designs and, and my additions into the bottoms of these race boards. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And so are you shaping... Are these are these fourteen footers like fourteen footers and twelve sixes or? No, I'm just going all fourteen footers. Yep. Yeah. And uh, is there any interest I over there say, in like in in unlimited shapes or unlimited sizes, like anything over fourteen feet? Um. Anything? Yeah, there is. There, there is some. Uh, there, there's definitely interest in over 14 feet. Um, I've just found that the uh, the quickest and easiest for most people to deal with is the 14 foot length. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, you're right. So about that. gonna, that's the sweet spot. You know, I think that's the most popular market for sure. Um, just knowing, you know, from from doing the M2O race last year, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to just see how many, I mean, that's an unlimited race for sure. I mean, those are all big boards and it seems like California has an opportunity, I would think to, you know, do some other similar type race events. Um, even the Catalina. How long Island. is that race? That's 30. It's uh race is 32 miles. Um, 32 I, miles. So we could, we could go from uh, San Francisco to Half Moon Bay. Yeah, you know, and if you get the right wind direction, turn it into a downwinder. Um, you know, the unlimited boards are are really kind of like the ideal size board for that kind of race event. And you know, I know that down south they have a Catalina Island event. You know, where they're going paddling out to Catalina Island. You know, it's about the similar distance. Um, right. You know, and, and again, if you get the right wind conditions and the right wind direction. Um, you know, the 17 foot length seems to be the sweet spot for these long distance downwind events. Yeah. I guess the one from, uh, Davenport to Santa Cruz, um, they're saying the 12, six was the ideal length just because of the shop, the, the way the chop yeah. builds yeah. going in there. Yeah. So, uh, the guys on the bigger boards were, were plowing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has to do with like, you know, it's, it has to do with the period of the swells, you know, whether it's near shore, short period chop stuff, or if it's, you know, getting into longer period, longer drawn out troughs that can fit bigger boards. Right. Yeah. I just sent you a picture of one of my race boards on uh, your phone just now. You did. Okay. <laughs> Good thing it has yeah. some handy right here. 
I got it. Just to give you an idea of the uh, what I'm talking about with the a really pointed nose with a concave that runs all the way up under a displacement hull. Wow, it looks yeah. And it's pretty it's pretty different. And then the concave squeezes together as it goes out the tail, creating lift and water release. I see it, yeah. What's the width? Yeah, what is so, yeah, Jeff, what's the width on this board? Uh twenty four. Wow. Yeah, that's that's narrow. That's that's probably too narrow for a, a J race because you need a little more stability. Right. But I've got a guy that's going to prone paddle it. Oh, okay. There you go. So you go. he he might he's been doing a lot of prone paddling, and you know what? I think that one might be twenty three. Yeah. That one might be three with no deck well, but a seven inch thick nose so that when, when it does bury, it won't want to bury. It's not going to go underwater. It's too thick to go underwater. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And so and then, on your, I'm sorry, Jeff, yeah. on your production boards, in terms of take, take us through the widths of, I got two questions for you. Sorry. One is, you know, of the of the race boards that you're making, are these production shapes or are they largely custom? And then of the production they're shapes, all, they're all custom. They're all custom. Okay. Yeah. They're all custom. I've been toying with going over overseas and and doing some of these in production. Yeah. But I think after this next month and seeing which ones perform the best. Um. That'll give us an idea of what we really want to, you know, spend three months waiting to get one. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That is the. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can get one out in uh, thirty days. So that's that's the difference. No, and that's, uh, that's and my new my, I've done some new things on my downwinders as well. Is you know downwinders inevitably you're bearing the nose and it's sucking you along and and that right right um right i mean so, you're, riding, you're riding the bumps trying to make sure that the nose isn't plowing into the bump in front of you and exactly yep uh and if it is you want it to i mean it's i've felt it the plowing i've i've created a nose a, a diamond nose that's about I don't know, seven inches wide that I can plow into the, into the wave in front of me. And it's like a measured plow. It's like, it's like I'm actually hooked into the back of that wave and the board doesn't want to broach, uh, like, like a pointed nose. Right. So it's a diamond, it's a diamond nose downwinder that you can stuff it and you can actually have, you've got edge control. So gotcha. one, one way or another and being able to, I mean, you can't really do that in a production board. No, so, no. And I like the idea of, you know, trying out different stuff, seeing what works. And then if you, you know, if you find sort of the, the magic shape, then there's, yeah. then there's an opportunity or possibility to explore the idea of maybe doing a production version of that board. But yeah. no, this is, this is exciting, right? Because I mean, just just talking to other board manufacturers and just knowing a little bit about their process. It, it, w one thing that's pretty clear year after year is that the shapes, the shapes can continue to change significantly from year to year, which yeah. kind of tells me yeah. that there is no silver bullet and that everyone's still chasing the ideal shape for yeah for different conditions too, right? I mean, obviously there's there's the there's the downwind stuff that everyone's trying to figure out then there's the open water race stuff then there's the really flat water kind of river canal stuff and to me those seem uh -huh. to be like the three major categories but even within each of those categories i guess you could leave flat water out i think they're getting closer to figuring that out but with open water and downwind i mean the shapes the the, the variance on the shapes year to year yeah. suge suggests to me that you know they're they're going they're looking at this from a fresh, clean perspective every single year and just starting from scratch and saying, 
how do we want to build it this year? Which yeah. is, it's interesting to me that it doesn't seem as though they're. Well, they're doing it every year. I'm doing it every month. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I know you're having fun doing it. I mean, it's yeah. full creative well, I, freedom. I had a racer come to me and he goes, I want a cross country board. I want it to be able to go downwind and I want it to be able to go upwind. Right. Isn't that the ideal board that does both of those well? Yeah, and he wants and to. So I, I built him. He goes, I and I want it 28 inches wide. He's he raced, so he knows what the kind of the dimension he's really comfortable on. Yeah. So I I made him made it 28 inches wide. Um, and it's like, man, I think the nose is almost seven inches, seven and a half or eight inches thick, and then. There's a bulb in the tail that's like six and a half inches thick. And then it's got a low trough in the middle, but, but not a well. And the, you know, V off the whole board. So you never have to worry about water collecting. And then we've dropped the rocker down and I've put a nose on it like the one that I showed you. Yeah. With, with chine rails, um, past the rocker of a downwind board so that, uh, it will, if you're on flat water, it will fly. If you got to penetrate through stuff, it's still got the beak that'll split it. And, um, you know, and enough volume up there so you're splitting it and going over it versus poking it and having that resistance hold you back. But then in in the downwind, it's got enough rocker. Um, that's the, that's the hard part is is having enough well having enough volume in the nose, uh, and then as it gets where it's really sleek and 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 it almost grows out wider, so you don't when it does bury it it it's a quick bury and it comes right back out. So I know that, I mean, I've seen the infinities, which is the reverse V hole beat into the, you know, like the teardrop the or the droop nose. Right. With, with the straight V into the, in the V nose deck into a, you know, concave bottom all the way out the tail. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to slice the pie. Exactly. um, Exactly. And yeah. and, it may, and different shapes may work differently for different riders too. Right. And so that's, what's appealing, you know, about the, the example you just mentioned is, you know, this guy who came to you and said, I have a very specific board in mind and I wanted to be able to do all these things. And it becomes more of a general, mm-hmm. it becomes more of a generalized board and less of a specialty board, you know, that's designed, right. let's say for just downwinding or just open water or, or just, you know, some other condition. And right. that's obviously very appealing. And it sounds like that's your sweet spot is, is designing custom shapes that work based on, you know, the size of the rider, what they want to do and um, how they want to ride and what conditions they want to ride and where they're going to be. You know, they're going to be on the, in Northern California. Are they going to be in Southern California, Hawaii, where are they, where are they going to be riding the board? Yeah, and I've been building boards for guys that weigh 270 pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that, that that's a small market. That aren't fat. Right. That aren't Right. That just are like animals. And you just kind of go, they come in the shop and they go, you know, I want a, I need a summertime shortboard. I'm like, wow, all righty then. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to start with 23 inches wide. 610, three and a half inches, three and a quarter inches thick. Wow. And uh, it'll be a five fin or a quad. And, uh, you know, and been having great success with just like, okay, I think shaping big wave guns and then moving into the big beast big wave guns. And then my experience with stand up paddling. And how hard I can turn a 9.6 that's 28 inches wide 
has really helped me uh, cross that that volume and foam barrier right to to basically shape it made me realize I I can go out and rip on a 23 inch wide 62 short summer board exactly in, in for a you know, lay down board where before anybody said yeah I'm going to get a 20 inch wide board they'd look at you like you were from Mars <laughs> oh how, right. are you, how are you going to turn that you know right. and and the what we've been able to do with stand-up paddleboarding is is uh, really go go to another dimension, and I'm I'm really psyched. Like I want to go ride my 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 eight three right now. It's you know my eight three is it's got tons of rocker. It's got V and double concave up past my front foot. So every time I lean into my front foot, I'm on a on one one rail which has got a concave all the way down that side going into double concave and kick out the tail and twin and two fins on that rail the quad i mean the thing's electric so i think you nailed it i think people coming from a surfing background when they get into stand-up paddle surfing you're right they don't want to give up any of the performance and the feel that they get from shortboarding when they go to their stand-up paddleboard and I think that the the innovation that is in the market today is doing a, a great job of of capitalizing or trying to capitalize on that desire that people have to get high performance from stand up paddle surfing. So, and you're one of those guys. I mean, you're you're doing it every day. Yeah, I I I was the guy that wrote a shortboard and never got into longboards at all. I'd rather go windsurfing. <laughs> <laughs> but we could talk about that all day. Exactly. I love windsurfing, but um, but the, but you're exactly right. If you get into stand-up paddleboarding, there is going to be that learning curve, and you get to be a kook for a year, <laughs> which is actually awesome. Man, yeah. I how often do you become a kook? In an environment that you're a professional at, not very often, and it made me just drive harder and harder and harder to get better at it. I'd go out with my friends, and they, when I first made my my when I first made myself a stand-up paddleboard, I made myself a ten-four, and I'd paddle out, and these guys, and they'd be standing there all day long, and half an hour. I am done. I cannot stand on my board anymore. I am so out of it. I'd have to go in. And uh, so frustrated. It's like I was right there the next day. I got five minutes longer. And the next day I got five minutes longer. You know, it's that kind of learning curve that it is easier than surfing, but there's still that learning curve that you have to be, you have to persevere and, and work through it. And it'll pay off because those times allow you to get better and better. Your boards all of a sudden go from 10 foot to 9 foot to 8 foot, and you're doing the turns that you actually want to do. Yeah, and I think you have to have that personality where you enjoy learning new things. You know, and it's not for everybody. A lot of people, you know, they struggle to get to the level where they are, and they're, they're happy with that, and, and they want to, you know, if they have any water time, they want to continue trying to get better at the things that they're already invested in. And then, and then there's the type of people who are excited to learn something new. And as you pointed out so well, it, you're right. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to try a new sport and be a beginner again. Be a beginner and learn and experience what it feels like to start at zero and go through the progression. Because the progression at the beginning... Yeah. The progression of the beginning goes really fast, right? You go from zero to something quickly. And then the hard part is getting yeah. through some of the, the barriers of becoming an expert. That's where things slow down yeah. and the progression is harder to, to realize. But starting off as a beginner and, and getting better is one of the greatest feelings, I think. Absolutely. You know, and, and through that middle zone, when I, I, I could barely get, you know, make it out at Ocean Beach, but I could... Once I got on a wave, I could surf. But 
there were times where I'd be on the wrong equipment trying to surf waves that were beyond what I was on. And I had to laugh because I'd get my head handed to me <laughs> and blown back to the beach and just like, okay, <laughs> what, what doesn't kill you <laughs> makes you stronger. And, uh, and I learned something here. <laughs> and if you look at it like that, is every experience is an opportunity to learn something. You're just going to keep getting better and better, and, and it is worth it. Yeah, and life is just so much more fun as a result of that, you know? You're going to have more fun. Yeah. Yeah, you got to enjoy the ride. Like, people say, oh, I'm so terrified. I oh, man, you know, how is the wipeouts at Mavericks? I go, well, you know, that's part of the game. You got to enjoy it all. You know, if you get lit up, you get lit up. <laughs> but... It takes the fear out of it if you're if you're actually having fun when you're getting lit up. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, these days I developed a, a big wave life jacket, a big wave surf vest. Uh, it's been in the production for about three years. We started the uh, the design and development of it, and now we've got two different designs: one for stand up paddling, and then one for lay down surfing. One's with a clip, one's with a wraparound Velcro through a, a, a really good secure anchor on the right side. And I blow it up with 10 pounds of air before I ever paddle into a big wave. Really? That way, if I get knocked out, my I'm coming up. <laughs> I'm coming up out of what? And they, you know, hopefully they'll get to me and, and uh, like they did to Aaron Gold. They saved his life at Tavarua this last week. Right. And... Um, right, that was scary. You know, you got to really, really plan for the worst case scenario in everything. Uh, the company that I'm in business with or partnered with, Quadic, has also come out with a rash guard with a 15 pound uh, inflator, uh, you know, inflatable uh, water assist or surf assist, but it's a rash guard. And, but it also has a manual blow-up uh, valve on the left shoulder. So you can put 5 or 10 pounds of air, 5 pounds of air. When you're surfing in the tropics with no wetsuit, you have something that you blow your eardrum, you've got a plan. You can't get your head above the water, you pull this. It's got the flotation in your chest and your shoulder blades, and it keeps your head out of the water. And... It's little things like that that uh, make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, how how many guys, Jeff, would you say on a big day at Mavericks, how many guys are not wearing any kind of flotation assistance or flotation equipment? Man, maybe 5%. Yeah, so it's fewer and fewer people, right? People are going out there wearing some kind of protection. Yeah. And it blows my mind that in 2010, when the waves were 50 to 60 feet on the sets, I mean, there were sets in the contest in 2010 that nobody went on. Nobody even paddled for. They were just so powerful and out of control. And I mean, it was clean. It was good. But what blows my mind is not one person had flotation then. Wow. No one did flotation in that contest, and no one... You know, everybody made it. <laughs> well, at that you know, so, at that point, you're, they're using their judgment, right? You just gotta you gotta rely on your own sort of sense of what what risk you're willing to take, and knowing kind of what the yeah. what you're what you're yeah. dealing with if something goes wrong. And so, and then, and maybe that's the risk of some of these. Um, that's the risk of some of the safety equipment is that it may create a false sense of security or, you know, pushes people to maybe go a little bit further than what they obviously normally would do without it. Um, but yeah. at the end, at the end of the day, I think we're all happy that, that it exists and that people are actually a lot safer as a result. Yes, absolutely. You know, we finally got Noah to lighten up on having jet skis out there for rescue, but that's the whole reason I yeah. developed the vest is 
because they banned our jet skis, even right. for rescue. Yeah. And, you know, without a backup plan, something will go wrong. So I created one with the, with the life vest. Well, I've got a new design coming out here pretty soon. I'm, I'm trying to get all the ducks in a row and, and dialed in, but, uh, I'll let you know when that comes out, when I can let it out of the bag. Yeah, please do. But we'll be psyched to hear about that. Be, it'll be a fun one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeff. I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning to talk to us. This has been, this has been awesome. Yeah. Always great to touch base with you. I feel, um, feel really flattered that, uh, my cousin Chris introduced us a long time ago, and it's been really a pleasure to get to know you a little bit more each and every time we talk. So thanks so much for taking the time this morning, and always great to chat with you. You too. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Call anytime or just show up, and we'll go paddling. I can't wait. I'll be at your back door. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. You too. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye.